12-year-old girl disappears without a trace in 2004. She just disappeared, vanished from the face of the earth. Some at first thought Rosa Sandoval was taken while walking to school, but later police began questioning her family. Her disappearance would have a tragic ending after her remains were found seven months later. It's been mind-boggling to think, why so long and still nothing? This is South Texas Crime Stories, the unsolved case of Rosa Sandoval. Rosa Sandoval and her three older siblings and parents all lived in a home two blocks from Sky Harbor Elementary School on the city's southwest side. The family had been living in San Antonio for several years after moving from Mexico. In the spring of 2004, the school year was coming to an end. In fact, it was the last day of school when everything would change for the Sandoval family. On May 28th, Rosa walked to school, but she left early, didn't tell anybody she was leaving something her family said was unusual. But since it was her last day of school, they thought she was just excited because her backpack and a three-liter bottle of soda were gone. She was supposed to take it to school that day. The school then later called the Sandoval family and Cerosa never made it to Sky Harbor Elementary. The family panicked and called police and a missing persons report was filed. A search immediately began, but there was no sign of Rosa. The FBI was even called in to help investigate, and the story of the missing 12-year-old girl went national. As the search continued, about 60 people were interviewed. Family, friends, school teachers, counselors, and neighbors. Through the course of the investigation, the media soon found out police were starting to look more closely at Rosa's family and that maybe they knew more than what they were letting on. Months after her disappearance, it was reported that Gabby, Rosa's 17-year-old sister, whom she shared a room with, had later told police that her and Rosa had an argument the night before the 28th and that Rosa walked out that night. Gabby went on to say she never saw her again after that, that she wasn't in her bed the next morning. With the family's permission, police searched the family's home and vehicle. In a case at 12 report in July 2004, police said evidence technicians found what appeared to be blood stains and bloodied handprints on the wall of her room. Sergeant Gabe Trevino of the San Antonio Police Department at the time said luminol was used in a particular place inside the home. Traces were also apparently found in an adjacent bedroom belonging to Rosa's brother. Case at 12 reporter Jesse DeGoyado spoke about the coverage she did on this case and speaking with Rosa's family and then how they suddenly stopped doing interviews. She just disappeared, vanished from the face of the earth. They were as gracious as they could be. Uh, yes, I did speak to them. Um, it was often brief, but they were uh, so overwrought. A, by certainly the disappearance of their beautiful daughter under very mysterious circumstances. And then just all the speculation that surrounded them, the glaring spotlight, not only of attention and, and grief and feeling sorry for them, mixed in with some very ugly speculation about her mother, her father, her sister, her brother. And uh, so that really took its toll. And uh, they pretty much have not been willing to speak publicly since then that I know of. 
The results of the luminol tests were never released. In fact, questions were raised about how the chemical test was administered, but SAPD said proper procedures were followed. Everything would change in the investigation in December of 2004, seven months after Rosa disappeared. A human skull was found off the side of the 11,700 block of Kearney Road. A further search of the area would find other bones nearby in a brushy area. The remains were later identified as Rosa's, and clothes found at the scene matched those she was last seen wearing when she was last seen alive on May 27th, the night her sister said she left after their argument. The following year, in 2005, America's Most Wanted aired an episode about Rosa's disappearance and death. According to that episode, a picture of Rosa was discovered inside a 1983 Blue Oldsmobile. That vehicle was apparently found in a junkyard, but there was no word on who owned the vehicle. How is that possible? They didn't find anybody? Did they not have someone in mind? Because on the FICA initially, it was reported nationally that there was a person of interest, but then nothing. The investigation was later handed over from SAPD to Bear County Sheriff's Office since her remains were found outside the city limits. To this day, Rosa's cause of death was never released, and it's unclear if there was ever a person of interest in the case that still remains unsolved. KSAT viewers, I'm Stefania Jimenez, anchor and reporter at KSAT 12 in San Antonio. On weeknights, you'll catch me on the Night Beat. Many of you want the news before 10 p.m., and this is for you. It's called The Nine at Night, a live nine-minute digital newscast airing at, you guessed it, 9 p.m. Call it a bite-sized show that's tailor-made for you. You'll get the day's top stories, weather, upcoming community events, and feel-good stories. Find us on YouTube, KSAT.com, and KSAT Plus, available on Amazon Fire Stick, Apple TV, Roku, or any way you stream. And of course, via podcast. So like or subscribe wherever you get your audio. That way you'll get the alert when each episode drops. That starts later this month. Until then, head on over to KSAT.com and sign up to be a KSAT Insider. That's where you'll get the inside scoops on all of our new and exciting projects. Lee has so many twists and turns and so many unexpected details just came out, especially when the family started being investigated. You know what it reminds me of, like reading through everything and because it's still fresh in our heads from doing that episode is King Jay, how that took just a huge turn. I mean, I'm not saying the family does have anything because obviously nothing's been proven, but it's just, again, we saw that shift with the investigation and how police were approaching everything. Yeah, and it was really interesting to hear that at first it didn't appear, at least we didn't know at the time, that maybe the sister had more to say and that they had an argument and that she left. But then you start hearing things about these luminol tests and handprints, bloodied handprints inside the house. 
but then never finding out if any of this had anything to do with her disappearance and her later murder. Yeah, that is just wild. You know, why would, if the sister knew she didn't see her that night after their argument happened, why would the family initially say, oh, well, the last time we saw, she left for school that morning. I mean, we know she was safe in her bed when that's not true. If you want police to have all the information to find your missing child, give them all the information at the beginning. Why start five steps back? Yeah, and in, at least for us, we didn't find out those details until months later of the investigation when you would think that'd be something police would say right at first. Hey, she left the night before. But what we had known was, hey, she disappeared in the morning on her way to school. Her, you know, her backpack was gone. Her The Sprite bottle she was going to take for her school party was gone. So, yeah, there was a lot of questions and um, we mentioned Jesse in at the top. Jesse de Goyado covered this case extensively. It's one that stayed with her for many years. So we'll go back to her in just a little bit. But I want to kind of go over the switch of investigations and kind of talk about that a little bit. Why people might think why why SAPD had it and then the sheriff's office now has it. So her disappearance and where they lived was within the city limits, but her body was found outside the city limits. So that at that point, that's when it became, you know, SAPD was like, okay, we're handing this off to the sheriff's office. But that can also have some problems because now you have to have a whole nother set of investigators look at this case. And there could have been some files or communication that didn't go through. And, and within this investigation, there's always things that get kind of lost in translation. Um, a couple years ago was the 15th anniversary of her disappearance and her death. And Jesse spoke with Sheriff Salasad about this. And he talked a little about how the investigation was now in their hands and what they were trying to do with it. Because at that point, it was a cold case. Not a whole lot of people that are willing to talk to us in detail about it. Certainly, we would love the opportunity to talk to these family members again if, if they're so inclined. And maybe uh, the guilt has taken the place of, of uh, that motive to um, protect somebody. Something interesting I think I would love if we could set up at some point is talk about how these different departments work collaboratively when something like this does happen. Because, I mean, like you, like you just said, you know, they had to hand off because of jurisdiction, but, you know, there are just different challenges, barriers that come up when you have to switch like that. So it would be interesting to sit down with SAPD and BCSO to talk about, you know, how do y'all work together on this? Do do your sheriff's uh, detectives over here call SAPD detectives and say, hey, this is what I have. Does this kind of match up with what you have? It would just be interesting to see how they actually work together to make sure they can solve a case or at least move a case forward. Yeah. And it was also interesting to hear how FBI because they were a part of this investigation too. They called in to help. How they kind of fit into this? What what are they doing differently that maybe SAPD or BCS? What do they add to helping them solve this case? Um, you know, so you had mentioned a few years back was the the 15 year anniversary, and you know that has since passed, and we're progressing on now. 17 years have passed, and um, that, that that's a a long time. For something happened and this case took some twists and turns where they started looking at the family but then also jesse had mentioned a stranger theory as well i spoke to a retired detective who took on the case for bear county early on and she seems to think that perhaps it's because it was a stranger who took her maybe and making it even harder than 
to find that stranger, whoever or wherever that person is. So that brings up that other worry. What if they do it again? I think at this point, after hearing the stranger theory, I think anything is possible. I mean, if she left that night before and was never seen again, that's a good theory. I mean, it's possible somebody just picked her up and and took her. And what was also interesting is that her remains were were found like seven miles from where she lived. It wasn't far. Um, we have a map up right now in this article um, showing where the school was, where her house was, and where her remains found. And her house is almost in the middle of both of the locations. So how she ended up, where she ended up, I, at this point, I don't know if we'll ever know. It just, I mean, I think that's a great point because doing this podcast, we know there's bad people out in the world. If someone were to see a 12-year-old girl walking by herself at night, they could easily grab her and take her away. And I mean, 2004, it's before we had these in our hands, cell phones, I'm referring to it like we can see it, but cell phones in our hands that we can call. And, and if something were to happen, if we were to see something, we can call easily. A lot of times people just had landlines back then. So I think that just kind of adds to it. So I think it is a theory that holds some water there. Yeah. And when speaking with Jesse about this case, you can tell this case was one of Everybody knows Jesse DeGoyado has been here for a long time, has covered a lot of big stories. But you can tell this case had an impact on her. And it's one she constantly checks on with Bear County um, Sheriff's Office on to see if there's any updates. Is there anything we can throw back on the news to try to you know bring to light this case so that it never goes away? And she kind of shared a little of why this case you know has always stuck with her. How, how could it not? Um, I think because her parents were Mexican immigrants, uh, had, had settled in San Antonio, had started a new life for themselves here, you know, pretty much on the surface to be living the American dream. And yet it, it took this very ugly, violent turn. How was that possible? I think for us, there's always going to be stories that will stick with us. And this one, of course, is one that has stuck with Jesse. And um, I want to thank her for being part of this and doing this interview with me about, about this case. And will we ever find out what happened to Rosa? I guess that's the biggest question. And it remains unsolved. And you got to feel, despite the family being under the limelight and being under scrutiny and being investigated, that they too probably want answers. Definitely. I, and I wonder what they would have to say today about this story. And I'm sure they want to know where she is too. They want to know the truth of what happened to her too, whether it's someone that they are close with was involved or whether it was someone who was a complete stranger. I'm sure that would bring them closure to know exactly what happened. And like we said, this is an unsolved case. So if you have a tip, Crime Stoppers is still searching for information. Any details on this unsolved case, up to $5,000 reward if that information leads to an arrest. And can you share that number for Crime Stoppers? Yeah, definitely. It's 210-224-STOP. So that's the easy-to-reach Crime Stoppers number there. Yeah, and it'll also be on our website. This is a common number we share. We hope everybody remembers it. And maybe the littlest detail could have a big impact 
I'm sure Sheriff's Office would appreciate anything that could possibly solve this case, maybe now, maybe in the future, but it's one case that I think will never be forgotten and one that I'm sad to say is still not solved yet. Well, thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode. We'll be back next Tuesday for an all-new episode of South Texas Crime Stories. Thank you.